In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Our gospel lesson this morning takes us on a very well-known faith journey. It's a faith journey that happens on the Sea of Galilee after Jesus has told his disciples to go to the other side of the lake. Now let me set this up a little bit. Just prior to this event today, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And they had gone to rest after that monumental event. And as Jesus goes up the mountain to pray, prior to that happening, one of the other gospel writers tells us that the people wanted to make Jesus a king. So, thank, bless you. <laughs> but Jesus had told his disciples after being said that he, they wanted to make him a king, look, go to the other side of the lake. And so the disciples are faithfully doing that when we pick up this gospel lesson today. And on this journey, they will come face to face with fear and doubt. I wish I could stand here before you today and say that, you know, once you came to Christ, your voyage would always be smooth. I wish that I could stand here today and tell you you would um, have an easy journey in this life once you surrendered your life to Christ. But we all know that that is not a true statement because there are storms all along this earthly journey to eternity. All of us know that life is full of storms. In fact, they get a lot of publicity all the time when they strike our nation or strike the world. There are all kinds of different storms, atmospheric storms, personal storms though, financial storms, relational storms. There are all kinds of storms in this life, my friends. And I can honestly say this with all truth, you're either in one now, you just came out of one, or you're getting ready to go into one. That's a fact. Every Christian, every Christian, will encounter correcting storms and perfecting storms. They're all going to fall into one of those two categories, sometimes both. But in this well-known story before us today, we discover that even when we are obedient to God, storms should be expected. We learn that we will never face our storms alone. Jesus is always watching. We learn he is always able to reach us and teach us in the storms of our lives. So we should never be fearful. And that's my usual outline for this gospel teaching. In fact, you just heard the shortest version of that 20-minute sermon I probably will ever preach. <laughs> but unfortunately, I've got a different message for you today. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Matthew 14, or you can follow along in this passage that's in the screen here behind me, because these are the verses I want us to look at. This past week, as I read and studied this passage for the umpteenth time, I focused on something that I think that really touches most of our lives, and that is how do we face the fears of this life? I was drawn to and focused on the disciples' words that we find behind me or in your Bible in verse 26, it said, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. They were terrified, it says. And they cried out, It's a ghost. When I was a boy, me and my brother Mike, 
thought that a ghost lived in the root cellar of my grandmother's antebellum house. And we thought that because our older cousins told us that a ghost lived in that root cellar. So naturally, we believed them. And we thought that's why we were always warned, never go down in the cellar, boys. <laughs> it never occurred to us that they didn't want us to go down there and they kept that door locked because they didn't want us to get stuck down there in that musty-smelling basement and drag dirt up into the house. All I knew, though, was that cellar door stood between me and my fear. That door was a warning and a barrier to keep the ghost away. And I can still hear my mother saying, Greg, Mike, don't go down in that cellar. And we didn't. <laughs> but as I got older, I discovered that there are no such thing as ghosts. I don't remember when or how it happened, but somewhere on the stormy sea of my life, my understanding and experience with ghosts, though, changed. I no longer believed in ghosts that lived in cellars like we were warned of as children, but I did eventually come to realize that ghosts could live within us and one could live within me. And although I don't believe in ghosts today, I'm convinced this day that they are real. The fact is, I'm still haunted by ghosts in my life, ghosts past, present, and future. Those ghosts of things done and left undone. Those ghosts of guilt, disappointment, and regret. Those ghosts of self-criticism and second-guessing. Those ghosts of could've, would've, should'ves that sometimes still wake me up at night. The ghosts of anxiety and worry and what-ifs can still keep me up at night. Those ghosts of grief and sorrow sometimes rattle the chains of the losses in my life. Those ghosts of uncertainty, growth, and change at times keep me doing the same old things, expecting different results. Those ghosts whisper sometimes, hey, Greg, you've only got five loaves and two fish, man. That's not going to be enough, and neither will you. Ever thought that? Ever dealt with any of those ghosts in your life? Those are just a few of my ghosts. But I'm quite certain that all of us have dealt with those things in our lives. Last week, as I wondered what haunted Peter and the disciples that made them crowd and fear that it's a ghost. And I wondered about that. Peter's so bold all through the Gospels, but he was shaken that night and in fear. What are the ghosts and fears in your life today that haunt you? What are the ghosts and fears you don't want to face or to deal with? Most of our ghosts still live on the other side of the doors that we're afraid to open because that's where we like to keep them, shut away from our lives. Those are also the doors to our lives and our futures that we're keeping closed. But we'd rather keep the door closed and locked than face and deal with those fears and those doubts. I think it's pretty safe to say that that's true for most all of us. I think it was true for Peter and the disciples. In fact, if anything I love out of the Chosen series is we get a glimpse of the realness of the life of the disciples. We see them in their brokenness, in their ordinary lives just like we live today, and that gives us a fresh look at what the Gospels tell us. That We've venerated these folks in different levels than they are. They're no different than any of us. We don't like facing and dealing with our ghosts, our doubts, and our fears. 
And I can pretty much safely say that, I think, for most people. And rooted in that fact is the fact that we don't like to face and deal with ourselves, my friends. Each ghost reveals an ex uh, one aspect of ourselves, of our own lives. They're the wounded, broken, and impoverished parts of our lives. They're the parts of our lives we reject, we deny, we ignore. They're the parts of our lives we don't like and that we want to hide away. They're the parts that we've deemed unacceptable or unworthy. But every ghost, every ghost, every doubt, and every fear offers the possibility of healing and new life. Our ghosts cry out and haunt us, waiting and wanting to be seen and dealt with. But our deep-seated fears often keep those doors closed and locked, don't they? Our fears keep us in the boat during the storm of doubt and fear. Those fears keep us looking to Jesus to be our divine ghostbuster, rather than seeing him as the divine presence that is revealed in our doubts and our fears. This week, as I reflected on Peter's words to the ghost before him, I thought about what was said next. After Jesus said to Peter in verse 27, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter then says in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus said, come, come to me. Peter said, Lord, if it is you. Lord, if it's you. As I pondered Peter's response, I thought about the ghost of my past, present, and future. Was Peter displaying faith or fear of that ghost that day? I thought about the ghosts that I've faced in my life, those that I brought into my life, and those that maybe the Lord brought into my life. But we need to take notice here that Peter needed proof. The bold Peter, the one that stood up among the disciples as the strength, the rock, needed proof. Lord, if it is you, but what if Peter had just faced and dealt with this ghost, with his doubt, with his fear, rather than demanding proof from Jesus that day? And what if we were to do that? Ever find yourself seeking proof from Jesus or from God? I ask because as I reflected on this, whenever I did that, I was usually avoiding my doubts and fears. And when I needed that proof, it was a guarantee before me that I wasn't ready to deal with it yet. I think we all will find ourselves requiring that proof from time to time. And if we require that proof, then that's not faith. In fact, it sounds like something someone else said to Jesus one day. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Friends, every fear holds before us a possibility of faith and doubt. And the truth is, at times, we all teeter on a faith and doubt pendulum in our Christian lives. One of my favorite stories that you will often hear me say comes to us from Mark chapter 9. It's a story of a desperate dad that cries out to Jesus, help my son if you can. Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible for those who believe. 
The terrified dad then said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Friends, all of us are going to deal with doubt and unbelief from time to time in this life. But it's never just one or the other, is it? You see, every ghost or fear provides us an opportunity to step out and grow our feeble faith. And every ghost or fear we refuse to deal with sinks us deeper into the sea of doubt and paralyzing fear. And I think that's why Jesus said to Peter, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? For years I heard that as a criticism of Peter, of myself, and for anyone else who ever doubted. But that's not really the case, is it? Because we're all going to doubt. And this past week, as I reflected on various versions of this passage, I heard something different. I don't think Jesus was criticizing Peter at all for not having more faith or stronger faith or walking on water faith at all. In fact, I don't think walking on water, whether it's Jesus, Peter, or you or me, is the point or the main miracle of this well-known story here before us today. Friends, the miracle, the good news, the hope for us with feeble faith who must navigate the storms of life that we create or those that the Lord sends us into is simply we are never out of the sight of Jesus, never out of his reach, and never out of his care. That, my friends, is good news. Jesus will come to us in our time of need, and he may appear even at some times as a ghost. And most oftentimes, he might appear as one of you. Because today, Jesus is not walking the earth as he did with the disciples to come to them that night. He's walking this earth in you. You might be the only Christ that's going to come to somebody in the storm, in the doubt, to get them over the hump, over the fear, over the storms of this life. That's why we come here every Sunday, to fortify ourselves for that, to be prepared for that, to be able to help each other when we have to navigate the storms that are certainly coming. That's the miracle in this story. The ghost of the disciples saw, and the Jesus they couldn't say are two of the same thing. A holy ghost, a faith-building, life-giving ghost. The Jesus you may encounter in a storm might be the person right next to you right now. You see, the same ghost that frightened Peter was also the same ghost that carried God's divine presence. And you carry God's divine presence too, my brothers and sisters. The ghost they feared was, and they were convinced would take their life, also carried the power to give them redeemed new life, abundant life. There's always more to the ghost of our lives than we want to see or believe. Jesus' question to Peter about his wavering faith wasn't a criticism. It wasn't an accusation or a judgment. And it's not for us either. Friends, we can't manufacture more faith within ourselves. We can't gain it or retain it by simply demanding that Jesus prove himself every time we get into a storm. But with Jesus, we can face and deal with our ghosts, with our doubts and our fears. We can face and deal with our past, with our guilts, with our regrets, with our sorrows, with our losses, with our hurts, with our anxieties and our fears. Friends, when we step out in faith to do that, it stretches our faith. That's what it does. 
It develops courage and brings about hope. That, my friends, opens the door and liberates us to new and abundant life, faith-filled lives. That's what Jesus' question to Peter and to each of us is all about. Why are you still in the boat today? Why are you still in the boat being beat by the waves of fear and doubt? Why do you turn away instead of facing them and dealing with your fears? Why do you keep those doors to your future closed and locked? Why do you assume Jesus is outside of your fears rather than in the middle of them? Because that's where we're closest to God in those moments. Friends, let me leave you today with a challenge. What would it look like or mean for you today to face and deal with those ghost doubts and fears that still haunt and paralyze your life today? You know what they are. What doors do you need to kick open with feeble faith to grow your faith? I don't want you to just answer those questions, folks. I want you to act on them. I want you to name and claim that ghost, that fear that haunts you, that ghost or fear that disturbs your sleep and hijacks the peace in your life today. That's the door I'm challenging you to walk through today. All things are possible with Jesus. All things, if we focus on him. Last week, we heard that we need to listen to him, listen to God, listen to Jesus in the storm. Storms of life are powerless when the presence of Jesus fills our hearts and lives. And there will never be a, a peace or a calm in our lives without him. Never. You may have temporary peace, but it's passing. Jesus frees us to move forward with feeble faith, which will help equip us for the next storm in our lives or maybe in the storms of the person next to you where you're going to be the person that's going to have to intercede. Every one of you are just as equipped as us. Just as equipped. The same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit resides in you as it does in us. And you are just as equipped to intercede in the people's lives around you when the storm hits as we are. But you have to step out of the boat to do that. You have to say, you know something? I'm just going to go there and be present. Being present is what the gift is. It's the ministry of presence. No words, some words, economy of words, doesn't matter being there. It's the ministry of presence. And you are equipped to do that. So don't be fearful when that event comes in the life of someone you love or care about to be there for them. Just be there. Step out of the boat. Don't focus on the size of the storm, but on the size of our God. He's bigger than any storm any of us will ever encounter in this life. And I truly can tell you I've been in a storm or two, and many of you have. Remember, in the storm, you keep your eyes on Jesus. Peter was doing pretty good to take his eyes off Jesus, wasn't he? Remember, we're never out of Jesus' sight. We're never out of his reach, and we're never out of his loving care. Thanks be to God. Remember that. When the storm comes, because it's always on the horizon, isn't it? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.